Christ. What an awesome church. Come on, give someone a high five. Tell them, you're awesome. God is with you today. Praise the Lord. Thank you, musicians. That's fantastic. Well, what's coming up next weekend? What do we got on next weekend? Anyone remember? One or two. All right, we'll ask you again. What do we got on next weekend in church? What? I didn't hear. Christmas celebration. That's right. Come on now. You'll be focused on that and bring, bring your friends next week. Christmas is a time when there's a focus in the world on Christ. But we need to bring the message of who he is and what he's done. Bring your friends next week. In the morning and the night, the, uh, uh, the, the, we'll have the pr- Christmas production on. But I want you to really focus on, I know, I, I know how people work. They want to see it. I want to see it. Then I'll see if I can bring my friend. Oh, ye of little faith. Say, why would you be so fearful? Bring your friends. Bring them anytime. See, something about the power of God and the presence of God that will always touch people. Sometimes we get embarrassed. We think, well, you know, it's, it's loud or there's this or that or the preacher's to this or that or someone. Listen, you've got to get all that stuff out of your mind. People need to be saved. Do whatever you can. Jesus said, go compel them to come in. So we need to draw our friends and loved ones to Christ. Say, draw your friends to Christ. Pray for them. Pray for them. Befriend them. Reach out. Be kind to them. And tell them, man, there's something great on this weekend. Come along. Find out what Christmas is all about. And uh, it's going to be awesome. We've got lots of people involved. And uh, every, I'm just amazed what our team does every year. They're just so awesome with the way they come up with new ideas. So bring someone along. And uh, keep praying. Don't give up. And don't feel bad if uh, people you invite just say no or hey, they show disinterest. Just try to think at that moment. A great big devil has got a hold of them, has blinded their eyes. They haven't heard the good news you've just told them, and they're on their way to hell. And you never know how soon that will be. We don't know whether it'll be next week. We don't even know whether they'll make it through to next year. We have to get a passion and a heart and a love for people. God values people. Befriend them, be kind to them, find ways to reach them, and then just make it easy then when you do that to reach them for Christ, to bring them in. Bring them and say, come along, you'll enjoy it. They will too. They just don't know what they're missing. Amen? They're missing out on heaven. Eh? If a person knew he was going to hell and didn't think he was going to heaven, he'd never do what he's doing. What would he be crazy to, wouldn't he? Eh? People think they're crazy things. Well, we're going to welcome some people into the church. How many know that God values his family? Let me tell you something else. It's, I'm going to give you a start. It's impossible to serve God and not be involved in the local church. Think about that. Why? Because the church is the body of Christ. It's his expression corporately in the earth. And so therefore, we can say we love God. But the Bible says very clearly, how can you say you love God when you can't love the brother? Brothers referring not to someone in the world unsaved, someone who's a believer. And to love people means to be connected to them, to be involved with them, and to be a part of a journey together. And so belonging to a church is really a very important part of our Christian life. Without being committed to a local church, we can't possibly grow. The Bible says those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. So being planted means to be connected in your heart and spirit. It's not just about praying for someone. It's actually a heart connection embracing, get this, embracing me, embracing the church and embracing what God is doing through us. That's rattle your cage a bit. Just have a good think about it. Because, you know, you want to understand this. God doesn't do things impersonally. When God came into the world through the person of Jesus Christ, he came in a person. 
And if you rejected the person, you cut off all God wanted to do through the person. The person is the gift of God. We sometimes separate out the gifts from the person. You cannot. You can't take my gift out of me and put it somewhere else. It's me. So people are gifts. So today we're going to welcome some gifts to the church. Amen? Can them welcome some gifts to the church. So praise the Lord. I want you to give a great welcome. Let's just read out some names now. Marion Truman, uh, Ashley Strickland, and, oh, I can't say that name, dear. Shuba. Shuba, Hans, uh, and his wife, Gisela Hans, and uh, they're from Hungary. Isn't that fantastic? Charlotte Lindsay and Ben Simmons. Okay, why don't you all come up now. Those we read your name out, if you're here today, come on up. We want to pray for you. There we are. There's Shuba and Gisela. They're from Hungary over there. This is Charlotte. There we go. Okay, great. Praise the Lord. Won't you come on up here? Just uh, come and stand this way facing me. And we just want to celebrate you. Praise the Lord. There you go. Mm. Oh, we're missing Ben. Is Ben here, Ben Simmons? No, he's not here. He slept in, eh? All right, young people. He may be working. That's right. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt, working. But the youth will follow him up. Praise the Lord. Church, I want you to stretch your hands towards them. I want some of my leaders to come up now. We're just going to lay hands on you and pray that God will bless you. When you become part of a local church, it's more than just standing up here and us praying for you. In your heart, you connect with people. And then you embrace what God is doing. You contribute your part to it. But God does something for you. He empowers you to begin to grow. He empowers you to come up to another level. And whatever anointing is on the church in the area of touching the presence of God, touching his love, receiving revelation, hearing his voice, that's yours by right. That means you can believe God that you will encounter him in your prayer times and your times with him, experience his love and experience him talking to you, giving you insight and anointing you prophetically to do something in the community. What a great thing. We've got to learn how to lay hold of it. So why don't you just raise your hands to the Lord now. We're going to reach out and just lay hands on you and pray for you. Just lift your hands up to the Lord. Close your eyes. Father, we thank you today for wonderful gifts given to the church today. We thank you for the giftings that within them. Lord, we pray that as they become connected to and involved in this church, Bay City, that there will be an empowering and anointing of the Spirit of God released, that every one of them will grow, expand, and come forth and come up to another level, and the dreams, desires, the giftings you put in them would begin to flourish as they commit to build the house of God. Lord, today as we lay hands, impart to them and cause them to feel bonded, connected, and embraced by this church in Jesus' name mighty name. Okay, church, begin to pray in tongues. Let's just lay hands on them and pray right now. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for Charlotte. Thank you for the gifts of evangelism in her life. Thank you for the passion fire and leadership gift upon her life. We pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to come upon her. We pray for the power of God. I release fire in your life. I release a spirit of revelation to see and look into the hearts of people in the name of Jesus Christ. Release God's power around your life today. Lord, touch your Father, touch your too. Release your anointing as Ashley. We thank you for Ashley. Lord, let her rise in confidence. Let her grow in strength. Let her rise up and become, Lord, a great leader in the days ahead. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for Marion. Praise the Lord. We thank you for her. Father, bless her. Well, you've been through many difficulties. I mean, many conflicts and turmoils as you've tried to find your way. 
any disappointments with people. But the Lord says, this is a new day, a new season, a new time for you. Time of standing up, a time of going forward, a time of boldness. No longer hiding, but coming forth. And the giftings and, uh, and the, the potential that God has put in you shall begin to find expression and release in this coming year. Thank you, Lord. Touch you. Amen. A new day. All things have passed away. New day for you. New day. Praise the Lord. Give him a great clap. Beautiful. Beautiful blue eyes. Praise the Lord. Well, before we just preach, Mel's just going to share something about the the preschool. Come on up, Mel. Come on, say something. Good morning, everyone. Um, I have an opportunity. I'd just like to take this opportunity this morning to uh, invite you along to our Future Kids concert. It's happening this Friday at 11 o'clock here in the auditorium. And I'd just like to extend an invitation, particularly to um, families in this church who've got young children, or if you know um, families with young children. Um, Future Kids is right through that wall over there. We run Monday to Friday, and we have a vision of raising up a generation of children with a difference. And um, it's an awesome place to work, and we believe that these children are different because they're discovering their identity in God. They know that they are special and unique and that God has an awesome plan for their life. So come along, bring a friend. There's an invitation in your newsletter, so it would be great to see you. Thank you. Thanks very much, Mel. They do an awesome job out there. Great presence of God. Praise the Lord. Open your Bible in Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Going to pick up where we were last week. I want to carry on with our thought of uh, prevailing over unbelief. Prevailing over unbelief. And uh, so today I want to speak on fear not, only believe. We're going to touch that in just a moment. But let's pick up where we were last week. And I remember the, uh, the um, father had a young ch- child. And the young child, when he's very, very young, it had a spirit came around its life, and it kept destroying the child, kept throwing the child into, a, into fires, into water, trying to destroy the child. This young child was seriously affected by an evil spirit. We need to be aware the devil's got no favorites. Uh, what he loves to do is destroy anything that looks good. Anything that God tries to bring into the earth, including a newborn child, the devil will try and destroy it. And if the demons can find a way into children, they will definitely do what they can to destroy them. And this young boy had this problem, but there was something bigger, and this was the, the dilemma. The father was desperate for a miracle, and so he brought the child to the disciples, and the disciples tried everything they could, and nothing happened. And so he's in desperation. Jesus calls him over, and uh, he tells him what's happened. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. In other words, Jesus immediately nails what the problem is. When no, see, it's never the will of God that a child be demonized. It's never the will of God that a child be consumed with sickness and die prematurely. This is never the will of God. God is a good God. He doesn't hurt people like that. It's never the will of God that a child be tormented with evil spirits. And so the disciples tried to get this situation free, but they got no results. It'd be very easy to stand back and say, oh, well, maybe God didn't want it to happen. But Jesus put his finger on it and said, well, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father said, help my unbelief. Immediately the problem is brought to a highlight that unbelief Unbelief stops the flow of the power of God. Make no mistake, unbelief is a spirit, 
And when unbelief grips an individual or grips a church group or grips a city or a region, it closes up heaven. It's very difficult to see, sense, or feel the power of God. When the spirit of unbelief comes around you, I was thinking about it this morning because I've encountered that. It comes like a wall around you. When the spirit of unbelief sits over a city, over a region, over people, usually there's other spirits too, but it, it creates an atmosphere that causes you to feel and think certain things. If I asked are you being attacked by a spirit of unbelief, you probably say, I wouldn't have a clue. But we need to have a clue. We need to know when something's pushing against us. And we also need to know what we must do to push it back so we can prevail. Let me give you an example. How many of you, as we've talked about reaching your friends and gathering them into Christ, as you started to think about particular names, suddenly something you began to feel was how hard that is to reach that person. What were you feeling? You were feeling a spirit of unbelief, opposing you, resisting you. When an evil spirit of unbelief begins to push against us, it fills the atmosphere. It can actually be so thick, a whole atmosphere. Whole Jesus came into some towns, and the whole town was full of it. In fact, there's one place where he actually brought the man out of the town to heal him because there was so much unbelief in the town. In his own hometown, he said he could do no mighty work there, Mark 6, because there was, it was full of unbelief. Unbelief is like a block to the power of God flying. You have to understand this. Although God is able to do everything he wants, he chooses to work in cooperation with people. And one thing that's required from people is faith. We must believe. If we are oppressed, opposed, and gripped by unbelief, then there is an atmosphere around our life where no miracles take place. If something happens, it's fairly irregular. It's a bit of a surprise. I wrote down a few things. When unbelief fills an atmosphere, it quenches your faith. What you feel is you feel overwhelmed with how impossible the situation is. You feel very small on the inside like a grasshopper. The problem seems so very, very big. You feel overwhelmed and intimidated. It just seems so hard. You begin to think about reaching into your office, reaching into your neighborhood, reaching into your school, and it seems so very, very hard. Seems impossible. All the work of God is, first of all, impossible, then very difficult, then it's done. It's done by those who believe. For those who believe, all things are possible. But there is a process of breaking through that unbelief. It feels when there's unbelief around like God is a very long way away. You can't feel Him at all. He doesn't feel near. He is near. It just doesn't feel like it because something else is pushing against you. When unbelief is uh, pushing against you, you feel mocking thoughts come to you. Almost like something's laughing at you and despising you and say, you'll never be able to do that. Don't you think anything's going to happen? Spirit of unbelief pushes against us. You feel feel like withdrawing back from God and, and you start to live in a comfort zone where you're no longer stepping out and taking any risks anymore. And when a church gets to a position where it won't take any risks, where we have to see everything and we have to have everything certain, every little step, we're not in faith, we're in a place of unbelief. We have to learn how to stretch out of the comfort zone into a place where we're depending on God. And, but most times when unbelief pushes against us, we don't trust God. We'd rather trust ourselves and stay over this side of the line in the comfort zone. God doesn't want us to live in a comfort zone. Next year, God wants us to be enlarged, grow, right? Grow. 
Think about how you're going to lie. I'm going to talk about that nearly next year. But God wants you to be enlarged. To be enlarged. And so that means enlarged in faith. Enlarged in your capacity to believe and to see. The Bible says, notice what it says, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out demons. Now, let me ask you this. Are there heaps of people in the city that have got demons? Well, who on earth's going to deal with them? Only those who believe. And you only count yourself among those if you believe. That means you are believing God for the opportunities. Believing God for opportunities to reach out to your friends, to touch them, pray for the sick, pray and see God heal them. First time you stretch out to pray for someone, unbelief overwhelms you. You feel it's impossible. You look at that sickness, and the more you think about the sickness, the more unbelief comes around your heart. It seems impossible. But to God, nothing is impossible. To him that believe, all things are possible. Blind eyes can open, deaf ears can hear, the lame can walk, the dead can be raised, AIDS can be healed. It is possible to him who believes. It's possible to him who believes. That's what Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believes. God wants us to break out. To break out of living in containment of what we are able to do into the possibilities God has for us. That'll put you outside your comfort zone, where if God doesn't come through, you fail. People don't want to be there. That's the place to be, though. That's where you see miracles. That's where you see breakthroughs. If God doesn't come through, I'm in trouble. I'm not talking about being foolish. We're talking about stepping out and believing God. See, when, when a spirit of faith is around your life, the atmosphere is quite different. I can tell the way people talk where they've got spirit of faith around them. See, when, when, a, when a person's got faith around them, nothing seems impossible. When a person's got faith around them, there's a confidence and a boldness comes and they kind of talk, well, we can do it. Yeah, we can do that. I know I can do that. I know God's with me. I can do it. There's something inside you that causes you to talk differently. People that have got no faith in them talk problems and focus on the problems. It's so bad. It's so, it's so difficult. Yes, but nothing is impossible to him who believes. See, what have you got in front of you? Giants? Or do you see God behind the giant? And when you look at God, that giant's looking pretty small now. The giant looks big unless you can see a very big thumb sitting on top of him waiting for your instructions to push. Praise the Lord. God wants an atmosphere of faith. When there's an atmosphere of faith, there's a confidence in our lives. We're not put down. We, we can face life joyfully. Eh? You want to step out in the unknown. You actually want to take the risk. You want to see what God will do. Isn't that good? But to want to see what God will do. That's why I love the spirit that was around Jonathan. He said, I'm sick of sitting around and nothing happened. Let's get up and get out there and see what God might do. It may be God might do something great for us. God is able to save by few or by many. Let's go out and show ourselves to the enemy. Everyone else is sitting down, taking it easy, fearful, having a prayer meeting. He says, I'm sick of prayer meetings. I'm sick of sitting down. I want to stand. Let's go do something. And the other one, I like this. Yamabe said, I'm with you. See, another man of faith said, whatever's in your heart, let's do it together. And they went out there and God wrought a great victory. All it took was one person with faith. One person with faith, not crowds of people with faith. One person with faith can make a difference. You can make a difference. You can make a difference where you are. If you believe God, you've got to get into a place of faith. And so we need to see, it's a part of it's a dealing with the unbelief that gets around. So when you have a look at a story, I'm going to touch on a story here today, Mark chapter 5. Here it is, Mark chapter 5. 
another great story in Jesus' ministry. And this is about Jairus. In verse 22, there came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at Jesus' feet. And he besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of dying. I ask you to come and lay hands on her that she may be healed. And she shall live. This was his only daughter. She was, the Bible tells in Luke 8, she was the only daughter he had. And it didn't tell about any sons, but maybe it was the only child he had, a daughter. And he was the leader of a synagogue. So it's almost expected his prayers would work, but nothing had happened. And the girl was extremely sick. And he was obviously very fond of her. His heart was engaged with his daughter. And he was concerned about her. And he said, she's so sick, she's on the point of dying. So she's on a deathbed. People on their deathbed get a certain look about them. When you see people there, you become very desperate. You realize at 12, a girl just slipping out of the earth, just like that, and you can't stop it. Terrible thing when you see it happening. Terrible thing. And so he please, Jesus, help me. Jesus says, I'll come. But the trouble is, Jesus got delayed. Don't you hate it when Jesus gets delayed? He says, I'll come. And notice the man is believing. If you'll just come and lay hands on her, she'll be healed. So he's in a place of faith. He's believing for something good to happen, believing for a healing. And then Jesus stops to talk to this woman. Remember the woman pushed through the crowd, touched the hem of his garment. A miracle happened. Jesus stops and asks, who did that? And the woman comes up and then it says, she told him all that was in her heart. So she gave him a long rundown of all her medical history and all that had happened and right up till now. And Jesus is listening to it all. And then he's going to pray for her again. Imagine Jairus. Get on with it. Imagine what he must have felt knowing his daughter's dying, needing Jesus to come. And then just as soon as Jesus dealt with the woman, word comes, don't bother him anymore, she's dead. Hopeless situation, terrible situation, hopeless situation. Imagine, I don't know how you feel, you'd feel pretty angry about that, wouldn't you? God doesn't do it the way you wanted him to do it. Didn't come through the way you thought he'd come through. Didn't come through at the timing you thought he'd come through. Didn't even answer the way you thought he would. In fact, it seemed like he didn't do anything. Seemed like he said he was going to help you, but he didn't. That's what this man experienced. It seemed like Jesus was about to help him, and then it's all over. They came to him and said, don't trouble the master. Your, servants, your, your child is dead. So notice there's this delay. Sometimes there are delays in God. We don't get what we want. We've got to learn to stay in a place of faith where what we are expecting God for isn't actually coming about. A lot of people quit and give up. Notice what Jesus said. Just what Jesus' words to this man. I can see if we just find it here. Here it is. In verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, what did he hear? He heard a word of failure and defeat. Your daughter's dead. Don't trouble him anymore. The situation is hopeless. And when Jesus heard that situation is hopeless, immediately he responded with the words, Be not afraid, only believe. Be not afraid, only believe. Now let's just read on. It says, And he brought only Peter and James and John, the brother of James, with him. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw all the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was coming, he said, Why, what's all this noise? What's all this? Why are you all weeping? Why is all this noise? She's not dead. She's only sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. One of the things that uh, you see repeatedly in the Bible, and it's also part of our experience is when we are daring to believe God for something, a breakthrough in finance, a breakthrough, someone being saved, a breakthrough in some kind, often it gets worse before it gets better. 
And not only that, you will find there's always someone to ridicule your faith. And if there's no person that will ridicule your faith, demons will. They'll come in and deride you and laugh at you and scorn you. In Nehemiah 2.19, when they said, we have a vision to restore the house of God, to build the house of God, uh, to build the walls, he said, this is what they said. The enemy laughed him to scorn, ridiculed him, said, you're nothing. Who, what do you think you are? See, this is what the devil will do. He will try and ridicule you over your faith. He, to, when you ridicule, it says, actually, they laughed at them to scorn. They mocked and laughed and belittled them. I want you to see how Jesus dealt with it. He, he said, he, literally, he got rid of a lot of them. Notice it. When he had put them all out, he got the father and the mother and his three disciples with him, and he was about to show them a great miracle. And notice what Jesus did. He put out everything that would have stopped the flow of a miracle. He excluded from his presence anything that would ridicule mock, belittle, or undermine faith for a miracle to be done. One of the things we've got to learn to do in our lives is to confront and deal with the things that ridicule our faith and erode our faith and literally drain away the possibilities of us moving in the miraculous. Now you see, there's lots of things like that. And there's some conscious steps you can take. If you are hanging out near people and they are consciously anti the Holy Ghost, your faith is being eroded. You're with the scoffers and the mockers and the despisers and the scorners. You need to put them away from close friendship. It won't help you. If they're speaking against the Holy Ghost, then they're speaking against someone who's your friend that you need to come through for you and you must not tolerate that in your presence. So excuse me, but you're not going to talk that way. Make them depart. Jesus put them out. He put them out. We can't put people out of our life, but we can actually choose who we're going to fellowship with, where we're going to spend our time, who we're going to listen to, and how much we let negative people be part of our life. You hang around people who are negative, defeated, pretty soon it'll erode your faith till in the end you don't believe for anything anymore. You've got to realize that. We've got to deal with that kind of stuff in our life. Unbelief infects people. In the Old Testament, two million people died in the wilderness because ten people said, oh, it's too big, we can't do it, it's never been done before, there's giants, this, 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 this. Be quiet was what Joshua and Caleb said. We're well able. We can do it. You have to silence the voice that belittles, mocks, and erodes your faith. You have to stop the talk. Stop the chatter. If you find people that you're connecting with closely, they're against the church here for what we do and the way we do it, or against me, stop it. You shouldn't be there hanging out in that place. Jesus got rid of the scorners got rid of the mockers, got rid of everyone who despised. Say, well, that's not very loving. Listen, it's very spiritual. You have to learn to say no to some things in order to say yes to other things. If we're going to build strong faith in our life and see miracles, you have to cultivate miracles in your life. You have to cultivate your faith. Next year, we're going to show a testimony. I'm going to show you something just in a moment. If you haven't seen it before, it'll be a It'll arouse every bone of unbelief in your body. I guarantee it. Some of you have seen it before. I saw it. And I still wondered whether I'd seen it. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. So, so how do we cultivate? How, how are we going to deal with this thing? So Jesus got rid of the score. Now, there's some things that Jesus did. And there's some things that we can do which will strengthen our life of faith. Now, if you don't consistently do them, you'll never progress in your faith life. 
You live off a Sunday being inspired and lifted up by someone else's testimony, someone else's messages, but we've got to actually grow. It's the life of faith that pleases God. For those that believe, nothing is impossible. If you want to see things happening in your friends and around, you have to come to a place where there is faith and not unbelief and cynicism. Okay, here, let me give you several things. I touched them last week. I'm going to say them again because I believe you need to hear them. Number one, prayer and fasting in Matthew 17, 21. Jesus said, this kind goes out only by prayer and fasting. There are some problems that only with prayer and fasting will we actually resist them and prevail over them. Some situations only change through prayer and fasting. Fasting sensitizes your spirit to the Holy Spirit. Prayer, coupled with fasting, begins to push into the presence of God and release the power of God into your situation. Prayer, coupled with fasting, has always been one of the major weapons the church has. Jesus said, when you fast, when you pray, it's, not, it's, like, it's like when you breathe, when you eat, when you have breakfast, when you get up, when you get down, when you go to work, when you fast, when you pray. In other words, it's a normal, not a big special deal. It's a part of the spirit-filled life that we have seasons and days or periods where we fast and push in with faith, believing for breakthroughs, enlargement, and for God to answer prayer. Second one, which is crucial for building our faith life, is to renew our mind and our thoughts. Basically, you are assaulted 24-7 by the media. And the media is cynical about God and cynical and scornful of anything to do with miracles. It's pre-programmed that way. So if they come to see what's happening, they've already decided what they will say about it. That's how the media works. You've got to understand that. So... If you, you've got to recognize we live in a world which is erosive to faith. You don't hear what God is doing. The media doesn't tell you what God is doing. They don't tell you the many miracles that God is doing. They don't tell you all the great works that God is doing. Thousands of people coming to Christ, communities being changed. Uh, they don't tell you about what happened in Fiji when God began to move there. Uh, families changed, marriages healed, restored, communities starting to come together. They don't tell you about increased productivity. They don't tell you what God is doing because they're not listening to God. They're scorning God. You've got to get that stuff out of your system. So it means you've got to actually consciously put something in. The, the TV won't fill you with faith. The internet won't fill you with faith. You have to do certain things. Let me give you two things you have to do with your mind. Number one, we need to meditate in the Word of God. In Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And that word mind means your imagination or your conception or the part of you that shapes things. Now, there's a part of us called our imagination. In our imagination, it's like a screen and you have pictures on it. This is why TV can really destroy your faith so quickly because it plants the pictures straight on the screen and then it's hard to use that same screen if it's defiled with all kinds of unclean images to visualize and to picture God moving. But with God, we have to believe them. We see it naturally with our eyes. So they have to access Him with faith. And meditation is the rolling around, picturing, imagining, holding the Word of God in our heart, seeing it take place. 
Seeing what God says working out of my life. Seeing faith growing in my life. Seeing miracles. As I lay hands on people, then blind eyes shall open, deaf ears shall hear, the lame shall walk. So it's actually, there's a meditation inside, repeated meditations. Now some, of course, will try and the moment you close your eyes, you've got other pictures in there which are not so pleasant. We need to renew our mind. You need to take the blood of Jesus Christ and paint out those pictures, hold them up against the cross until they're canceled in their strength and power. And you can use your imagination to dream, dream things with God, dream dreams with God, be open for the prophetic flow. You want an increase of prophetic flow? Do something to prepare the screen of your mind so that it's open and prepared and allowing God. So meditation is one of the ways that we digest the Word and it gets inside us. It takes time to meditate. That's why not too many people do it. Another way that you actually work on renewing your mind is by remembering the works of the Lord, remembering the works of the Lord. Uh, David remembered the lion and the bear. Psalm 77, verses 10 through to 12. He says, he starts off talking about how bad everything is, all the difficulties he's having. And he says, I will remember the works of the Lord. I will remember the years of the Most High God. I will remember his works and meditate on them. So how many people have got a testimony of something God did? You need to keep remembering it. You need to keep rehearsing it. You need to keep bringing it back into your memory so it builds your faith for the next thing God wants to do. So every time we have a miracle, every time we have a breakthrough, it's a part, it's like a stone in your path. It's like a, a stone of testimony that you can remember and revisit and the feeling and the faith of it rises up again and it freshens and quickens your faith. See, so I, I've got on my computer pictures of people being healed getting out of wheelchairs. I like to look at them. And for a moment in time, you can go back and remember and be fully present when God did a great victory. And it encourages you when you're not seeing great victories right now to keep in faith and to keep going ahead. That's why testimonies are so powerful. Next year, I'm going to be looking for people to testify, to tell what Jesus did for you. Because why should the miracle God intended to be a blessing to the multitudes perish because of your unwillingness to share it? I don't know. You need to testify what God has done. You need to declare boldly and clearly what the Lord has done in my life. If you've got a healing, you need to stand up because everyone who hears that, faith could come into their heart and they could be healed as well. You've got a financial breakthrough. If someone needs just that breakthrough, your testimony could give it to them. See, your testimony, remembering what God has done. Friend, it doesn't matter how long you had a testimony. Better if you've got a fresh one, of course. But every testimony, when you remember it and meditate on it, comes alive inside you. The excitement of it comes. And all I'd have to do is start to meditate on just some of the things I've seen happen this last year. And I'll just, oh, oh God, get so excited. Start to find the faith level coming up. Why? Because you're, drawing, you're actually focusing your mind on things God has done. They're in you. They're your experience. No one can take it away except the devil if you let him. They're a stepping stone in your faith life. Something for you to grow from that level to the next level. But you've got to hold it. You've got to remember it. See? So that's why we remember things. See? Why do we have communion? To remember something. Why did Peter say, I've got to stir you up to remember? 
Paul had to say the same thing to Timothy. Remember, meditate, stir up the gift, stir up, stir up. Remember when you once did something. Why should it just be in another country? Why shouldn't it be here? Remember it, meditate on it, expect it, and start to break out a little. See, so meditating, renewing the mind. Here's another one, speaking the word of God. Speaking the word of God. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful who promised. You've got to learn to speak God's words. Learn to build confessions. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All that God wants me to do, I can do it through Christ. When I lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. The blind shall see. The deaf shall hear. The lame shall walk. I shall see the works of the Lord in my life. Now, of course, if you're not saying anything like that, pretty chances are you'll never see it, except happening through someone else. Faith has to be stirred. We have to stir our faith. We have to cultivate our faith. We have to grow our faith. Faith is grown by feeding on the Word of God. That's why meditating and remembering the Word of God and the acts of God are so powerful to build our faith. See, you have to do something with your life so you are positioned continually for God to work through you. Confession is the most powerful part of it. Your confession is what you will actually possess. So you confess and talk negatively all the time. You'll be amazed how many negative things will come into your life. We need to be confessing what we are believing. What are you believing God for? When we come to the beginning of next year, if I ask you, what are you believing God for this year? Will you have anything to confess? Or will you be plodding? another plodding year. God doesn't want you to plod. He wants you to walk in the Spirit. Not plod in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and rise with wings like an eagle to come into supernatural realm, to come into another level. You don't have to stay where you are. You're only staying there because you've agreed with the limits. And with the devil who said, you can't do that. Who do you think you are anyway? See, we have to break through those things. We have to break through them. We break through them. We break through them. We must determine we're going to break through those. Perseverance is another key to cultivating your faith life. Hebrews 6, 12, let us not be lazy, but be followers or imitators of those who through believing or faith and patience. You've got to hang in there. Don't just pray once and nothing happens. Keep praying, 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 praying. Is that what happens to anything? Keep praying. Keep praying. Elijah kept praying, and then he saw revival. There's a lady kept knocking, and she got an answer. Sometimes we just go, pray, pray, push, 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 push. I won't give up. That's what the woman said. I won't give up. I won't give up. Go away, go away, go away. I won't give up until I got what I came for. You've got to have that same kind of spirit. That's what faith is. Faith is that patience. Without faith and patience, we don't get the promises of God. Hebrews 10.35, you have need of patience that after you did the will of God, then you get the promises. So you can't, you can't have a quitting mentality. You've got to have a, a no-quit mentality. So you and I can do things that will build our faith. And when we do that, then our faith life comes up. The last one we can do is to fellowship with men and women of faith because they will encourage and lift your faith. I like to hang out around people who make me feel uncomfortable because they stir you to grow. They make you uncomfortable with where you are. You feel exposed and vulnerable and lacking, but it's stirring you to come up another level. So we can do that through tapes, CDs, through going to conferences to seeing people, hanging out with the right kind of people. Okay, let's finish the story now. Mark chapter 5. And he put them all out. He got rid of the scorners and the unbelief. And the ground was set for a miracle of God. 
I want you to see what he did. Video, I wonder if you can get ready just in a moment to light up the video. It said, he took them, that's the mother and the father and the three chosen disciples that were with him, entered into where the woman was lying. And then he took her by the hand and he said, young woman, I say to you, arise. And immediately the young girl arose and walked. And she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a very great astonishment. Here's a girl who's died, clinically dead, cold to touch. But when Jesus Christ comes into a hopeless situation, he comes into some situation where there is no life, there is no hope. He can speak life into it. Life can come out of death. There can be resurrection because he is the resurrection. I want you, when we read the story, of course, it just feels like a story. I wanted to show you a clip and you can see it happening. Put the clip up now. There it goes. Put it up on the screen. Hopefully we'll get it to come up in a moment. Here's a man who's dead. Totally dead. His eyes, they've tried to resuscitate him. They've tried everything they can to resuscitate him. Shining a light in his eyes. Man is absolutely and totally dead. Two doctors are next to him. It's an army guy who's been trying to do resuscitation on him. He's absolutely stone dead. He won't respond. You can see his eyes are wide open. There's nothing happening. There's, there's uh, some of the helpers next to him. This was taken in, in, uh, in Nigeria. The man has died. Later on in the video, we won't get to see it, but... Four people testify that they are qualified. There's a surgeon, there's a doctor, there's an army captain. And they all know dead people and this man is dead. So here is the dead man. You can see the picture of him now. They've tried everything they can to resuscitate him and he's, in, he's, he's dead. Now he's in the bed. And in a moment, man of God's going to come and pray for him. Exactly the same way that Jesus prayed. First, the people are made to leave the room. Oh Lord Jesus, you give us the spirit to be like your son. You give us enough grace for whatever we face. Here is the dead. Give enough grace to raise him. In the name of Jesus Christ, Rise again. Rise again. In the name of Jesus Christ. Rise again. Rise again. Stretching out over him. In the name of Jesus Christ. Rise again. His hand's moving. Prophet's holding his hand. Rise again in Jesus' name. There we go. 
He just saw a resurrection. He just saw a man raised from the dead. An impossible situation. And you saw what the Bible described. Someone dead, raised to life. Except it wasn't 2,000 years ago. It was about two years ago. Why don't we just close our eyes right now? There is no situation too difficult for God. Not one. Jesus said, don't be afraid of the situation you face. Only believe. God wants us to believe. He's not only able to do it, he is willing to do it. With your own eyes, you just saw a man who was dead raised from the dead. We read in the Bible the story of Jesus with a little girl. He has not changed. He's still the same God. He still works miracles today. The first miracle I want to talk about just for a moment is the miracle of being born again. When you look at a dead body, you think that's absolutely impossible. That could never, that's it. It's all over. Nothing could possibly happen. But God can bring life with his death. Perhaps you've been thinking about some of your friends that way. Thinking that they're too hard. They're beyond reach, beyond hope. But look, the same Jesus who raised that man from the dead can raise your friend to life. Perhaps today there's someone in the meeting and you don't know Jesus Christ yet. Spiritually, you are as dead as that man you saw. You are cut off from the life of God. You do not have the life of God. And one day you have an appointment in eternity with him. And today, Jesus wants you to know he went to the cross. He died on the cross. He carried all the penalty of your sins which cut you off from heaven and from God. He represented you. And the Bible says, to everyone who believed, who put their trust in Jesus Christ, he gave power to become a child of God. You are as dead spiritually as that man was physically dead. You are in great danger of an eternity without God and a life on earth without hope. Jesus came to give you hope, to give you a future. He came to put his spirit into you and to make you alive on the inside. The Bible calls this being born again. Is there any person here today who's not yet a Christian? You've never given your life to Jesus Christ, but in your heart you say, I want to become a Christian. I want a miracle of God to come into my life. I want him to forgive my sins. I'm willing to turn from sin. I, I believe. I've seen something I've never seen in my life before. The dead raised to life. God, I want a miracle in my heart. I want you to come into my life and change me. Is there anyone here today that says, I want to give my life to Jesus? Quickly put your hand up so I can see you. Any person here today? Any person here today is not yet a Christian. So I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Just put your hand up so I can see. Raise your hand clearly so I can see. I want to give my life to Jesus. I wonder how many people today, while you were listening and while you were watching, you felt God challenge you that you've let unbelief get around your heart. That you've started to look at things as being too difficult, too hard. And you felt God challenge you. It's time to change how you think. It's time to pray, push in and prayer and some fasting. It's time to renew the way you think. Time to get into the Word of God and begin to meditate. It's time to remember what God did in your life. Begin to talk about it again. It's time to begin to speak the Word of God in your life. God is with me. God's my friend. Holy Spirit is with me. The angels of God are with me. And as we begin to talk about angels, you know, you'll, you'll find they start to work in your life. 
talking is the way we release the life of God. Talking back with faith. Perhaps some of you need to cut things off and you realize I've got too many negative things in my life. They're just eroding faith. I, I need to give time. I want this year to be the greatest year of my life. I feel God challenging me. Is that you? Why don't you raise your hand right now? I feel God speaking to me. I need to lift my faith to a new level. I need to put out the scornful things that are under eroding my faith. Quickly put your hand up. So that's me. God talking to me today. God bless. God bless. Many hands. God bless. God bless. God bless. God bless. God bless. Good young people doing it too. So think about your, your friends. It's almost certain you'll know someone that'll die next year. But oh, if you could just reach them before that happens, maybe that would never happen to them. If you could just reach them, what are you doing to reach your friends? Is it too hard, too big? You're too small? That's unbelief. Say, God, increase my faith. I wonder perhaps for the rest of the church, we're thinking about asking someone next week and we've just been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And just see them by faith, see them by faith, saying yes. And if they don't say yes this time, they'll say yes at Easter. They'll say yes at Mother's Day. They'll say yes at Father. But they're not going to say no, not forever. They're going to say yes and God will touch them. You're starting to think about your situation. Does it all look hopeless and desperate? Or you got a vision that God's put in your heart, a dream. And that dream is your future. Dream of great things happening through you. Dream of God moving. Oh, begin to cultivate that life of faith. Father, we just thank you that all things are possible to him that believes. Therefore, today, we will not be afraid. We will only believe. We will believe that this coming year will be a great year for us. We will believe that many souls will be saved. We will believe that many of our friends will be changed. We will believe that we'll come to a new level of giving. We will believe our marriages and families will change. We will believe that we will have impact and become known in our community. We will believe that we can touch the lives of hundreds and hundreds of people in other nations. We will believe we can grow to a whole new level in the coming year. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, let's give a lot of clap, shall we? Come on, let's stand together and let's... Praise the Lord. You excited? Lord, we just thank you. You are with us. You are with us. God is in the house. All the people come. All the people dance. They sing about us. Open up the doors, open up the gates, get ready for the future, you're gonna be Yeah. Hey.